You're listening to a sermon from the preaching and teaching ministry of First Presbyterian Church, Covington, Tennessee. Our mission is to proclaim Christ's kingdom through word and deed. You can learn more about us at 1pc-covington.org or join us for worship at 403 South Main Street, Covington, Tennessee. Our scripture reading this morning is from John chapter 5, verses 30 through 47, found on page 890 in your Pew Bible. Please join me in prayer before we go to scripture. Prepare our hearts, O God, to accept your word. Silence in us our own voices, our voices but your own, so that we may hear your word and do it through Christ the Lord. Amen. Jesus said, I can do nothing on my own. As I hear, I judge, and my judgment is just, because I seek not my own will, but the will of him who sent me. If I alone bear witness about myself, my testimony is not true. There is another who bears witness about me, and I know that the testimony that he bears about me is true. You sent to John, and he has borne witness to the truth, not that the testimony that I receive is from man, but I say these things so that you may be saved. He was a burning and shining lamp, and you were willing to rejoice for a while in his light. But the testimony that I have is greater than that of John, for the works that the Father has given me to accomplish, the very works that I am doing, bear witness about me that the Father has sent me. And the Father who sent me has himself borne witness about me. His voice you have never heard, his form you have never seen, and you do not have his word abiding in you, for you do not believe the one whom he has sent. You search the scriptures because you think that in them you have eternal life, and it is they that bear witness about me. Yet you refuse to come to me that you may have life. I do not receive glory from people, but I know that you do not have the love of God within you. I have come in my Father's name, and you do not receive me. If another comes in his own name, you will receive him. How can you believe? When you receive glory from one another and do not seek the glory that comes from the only God. Do not think that I will accuse you to the Father. There is one who accuses you, Moses, on whom you have set your hope. For if you believed Moses, you would believe me, for he wrote of me. But if you do not believe his writings, how will you believe my words? The word of God for the people of God. More holidays ought to begin with a airing of grievances. Um, have uh, Have you ever read the Bible through? Genesis to Revelation, maybe some of you have, have done that or started to do that. Often at the beginning of the year, people kind of make a resolution to do that. And a lot of people's experience is a lot like what my experience was the first time I just picked up and decided I'm going to read it straight through. Genesis, first couple of chapters, you do pretty good. You get on kind of a roll after a few days, you hit around Genesis 19, and the initial reaction is, whoa, I didn't know that was in the Bible. That, that kind of gets your attention. And then you, you move along further, and, and Genesis usually goes pretty good. And if you can keep up the habit, uh, most people are okay with that. And then somewhere about Exodus, you, you start asking, okay, now why is... Um, 
are these lists of names in here. And if you, if you start to go a little bit further, then you ask yourself, now, why did God spend so much time talking about exactly what the priest was supposed to do with the different inner parts of the cow? And the list of names and the obscure rules about sacrifices usually get to somebody, and I think that's there that a lot of people just kind of, oh, well, I give up. Because a lot of times it's, we, we give the Bible to somebody and we say, read it. We, we put it in a hotel room for people to read. We kind of have the sense of we ought to read because it is God's word. But there's a sense in which we almost take it and, and don't really think about what am I looking for? Why am I listening to this? What, what is God trying to communicate in, in these lists of names and in this, these stories? I mean, is it that God just wants us uh, to have a good knowledge of what happened to the Midianites? Is he just really concerned that we do that? Or, or that we kind of have a sense of um, the, this ancient Near Eastern people? A lot of times we come to the Bible and, and we, we can read it. And even people who spend a lot of time reading it and find out what happened to the Midianites do so and miss the point. Jesus in the reading today is talking to a group of people who know the Bible really well, but they've completely missed the point. They've gotten through all those laws and they could tell you all the rules about how to do things, but what he says is, is they, they miss the entire point of what the scripture is trying to tell them. You'll remember this is after Jesus has healed a man on the Sabbath and they're now seeking to kill him because um, he has done this on the Sabbath and uh, in explaining what he has done, he has made himself equal with God. He said, this is you know, something God is doing and I'm doing and I'm doing what my father wants and he has made himself equal with God. And so now they are there and he's saying to this group of, this other group of Jews that you have searched the scripture, but you're missing the point. He's, he's pointing out all these witnesses. He's pointing the witness of John the Baptist, who was a lamp burning bright and shite. Bright and uh, he was burning and shining or something. <laughs> and... He's talking about his works that he does, that they point to him. And he's talking about God bearing witness, but he's, he's particular, I want us to look at what he says about scriptures. Because we can be tempted to do what they were doing, which is take the scriptures and make them about us and our glory rather than about Jesus and grace and truth. In verse 44 how can you believe when you receive glory from one another and do not seek the glory that comes from the only God do not think that I will accuse you to the father there is one who accuses you Moses on whom you have set your hope I think that's a pretty interesting passage because he's saying you give glory to one another and you're not seeking the glory that comes from the only God in a way, he's, he's pointing us back to something that the very prelude of John had said. In chapter 1, uh, verses 14 through 18, we read, And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen his glory, glory as of the only Son of the Father, full of grace and truth. 
And from this fullness, we have all received grace upon grace, for the law was given through Moses. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God, the only God, who is at the Father's side. He has made him known. And now Jesus is looking at these people and saying, you're not seeking glory, and God's glory is standing right in front of them. And he says, you, you, you are looking for God, but God's word does not dwell in you, and it is God's very word in flesh telling them this. You, you don't see him. You don't know him. And the one who reveals him is right there. And he says, you're seeking your own glory. Um, in other words, you, you receive glory from, from each other. You receive glory from people. That is, you kind of praise each other for how good you are. You're praising each other rather than seeking God's glory. I think part of what that means is they're doing what a lot of religious people can be tempted to do. They're putting all their hope in Moses and the law. That means they've taken this book and they've looked at commands and they look at the rules and they say, look at me, I do so well at doing this and not doing that. I keep God's rules, therefore God ought to love me because I'm the kind of person God loves. But those people over there, they don't keep these rules and they do these things God forbids. I'm so glad I'm not like those people. And in doing that, you boost yourself up and, and you put other people down in, other, in, in, in order to boost yourself. And I think that's part of what he means by the glory that they give to one another because a religious group can really just kind of become an echo chamber, can be a way of us just congratulating each other on how good we are and how those people, those other people outside just aren't as good, but we're good. We're the kind of people God loves. Aren't we glorious? Yes, we're glorious. And we can just tell each other how good and glorious we are rather than seeking God's glory. And there's a sense in which if we look to the Bible primarily as rules and commandments, what we will do is we will look at the rules we find it very easy to obey and we will boost our glory. And we'll find the rules that other people don't keep and kind of say they're not doing as good, but it all becomes about us and our glory and our keeping the rules. And in doing so, we miss the very point. As a matter of fact, it's, it's a very dangerous thing to do because Jesus says your hope, you're putting your hope in Moses and the law and they are going to be the ones that condemn you and convict you. They're going to be the ones that pass judgment and show you really didn't keep these rules. You didn't keep all of the rules. You, you didn't completely follow God and love your neighbor and love God. You didn't seek his glory. You used these things to justify yourself and convince yourself that you are worthy rather than seeing what the law should do. See, if we, if we get what the law really does, if we understand Moses and we, we see what the rules are, what we wind up doing is we look into our hearts and we see how often we fail to keep these rules. If they do the work on us that they ought to do, they show to us 
how much we fail to love others and how much we fail to love God and how often we are focused on ourselves and and we want to be as God and it should expose our sin to point us to Jesus that's one of the ways scriptures testify to Jesus is they show that we need something other than law because by the law we're condemned we won't stand right with God we, we see that we need someone else to come on our behalf. And so rather than seeing our own glory and seeing the Scripture as primarily a thing that we ought to do and how we ought to obey and how we ought to live, what we should do is what Jesus is saying is you search the Scriptures and they testify to me. In other words, they, the, the rules should point us to our need as well as how to live a life that's pleasing to God, but it also should show us God's grace and his truth and his glory so that wherever we look in scripture, we see the gospel. We see the good news that he sent one on our behalf to live a perfect life, to die on our behalf and to bring us into God's family, not by us keeping all the rules and obeying the law and boasting our glory, but him humbling himself and, and bringing us in by trusting in Jesus, whom the scriptures testify to. Now, please don't hear me saying, ignore the law. <laughs> God's commands are irrelevant. We, we look to the law. We look to these as showing what God would have us to do. The problem is if we ever think that the point is in doing those, we can please God enough to earn our way with him. Rather, it should all, every part of this book should be pointing us to Jesus, to our Savior, and to what he did for us. And it's one of the things that's very easy for us to miss because our natural inclination is to take any story and try to find the way we can be the hero in it rather than looking at every page as a way it points to the true hero who is Jesus Christ, the glory of the Father who is standing before them saying, the scriptures point to me. You know, he's not just saying that, you know, there's a couple of verses in Isaiah that talk about me and, and you'll find a couple of places. What he's saying is the way to understand the entire book is to look for Jesus and to look for the gospel of what Jesus has done for us. And so when you start with Genesis, read the story of Joseph, you should see one who was cast into a pit by his brothers, came from the pit, was lifted to the right hand of the king, and through that forgave and rescued and brought his brothers into safety. We go to Exodus and we see a lamb who was slain, whose blood covered his people and brought them out of slavery and bondage. And we see one who brings us um, by his own blood, marking us as God's people and family and rescuing us. We see in Leviticus the, 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 the sacrifice that took the people's sins upon him and was taken outside of the camp to die on their behalf. And it should point us to the cross. We see Joshua, whose name 
means savior. It's the same name that we translate as Jesus, as one who conquers the enemies in order to bring the people into a promised land. We look to David and we see one who has been anointed to be king but is not recognized as that. And in his hiddenness, he goes up to a hill to conquer an enemy that none of his people could face so that we who trust in him are free and have that victory. We see in Ruth one who was redeemed, who was a foreigner and a stranger and then brought in to be the very bride of this redeemer. We see in Esther one who not only risks the life to intercede on behalf of the people to save them, but one who gave up his life to intercede on your behalf so that you escape death. We look to Jonah and we see the sign of one who spends three days in the belly of the well. As Jesus said, three days in the earth is the sign that points to Jonah and and like a sign of resurrection, he comes forth. We see in the prophets the word of God and constant promises of a new covenant that'll come that God wants obedience rather than sacrifice and that one will come and, and bear our burdens and God himself will come to shepherd his people. And the message, once you see it, is everywhere in this book that it's not pointing us to us and just how we can do better, but it's appointing to Jesus so that you can trust in him and you can live. This book that bears witness about Jesus is a book that you can read constantly and still miss it. That's what the people he was talking to. They, they knew all, they knew the book back and forth, but they missed the whole point of, how it, of not seeing Jesus, of not seeing God's glory. So, a few points of application. Listen for Jesus. Uh, you know, the, the best way you can judge a message you hear or a book you're reading or, or something you're watching, if, if you're reading something religious or, you know, it's kind of Christian, the, the best way to kind of look and see is this worthy is just ask, does this raise up Jesus? You know, I, I'm just amazed at how often I, I hear messages that are primarily about how I need to try harder and how I need to do better. And that's not good news. And we, we need to hear that. We need to have our sins exposed. We need to repent. We need to teach and be taught how to follow God's law and his rules. But at the end of the day, are these things ultimately pointing us to Jesus and why his cross was necessary? So any message you hear, um, any devotion you hear, any, any little book you're reading, the great question to ask is, did Jesus have to die on the cross for what I'm reading to be true? Or could this be something anybody followed who didn't believe in Christ? The other thing that to, to flip that around is how are you teaching those of you who teach in classes um, those of you who you know teach in different ways but also parents as you teach your children uh, it, it can be so easy for us to want our teenagers to be pharisees just obey the law just obey the rules just outward conformity stay safe rather than teaching the gospel of I want you to do these things, 
because they're good for you, but you're loved and forgiven, not because you do these things, but because of God's grace. Do, do we teach our children ultimately to look at Jesus or ultimately um, be a better person, be good, follow the rules? I mean, and if you're here today, and for the, when you read Scripture, it doesn't make sense because you haven't seen Jesus. Look at the one they testify to. See the one they point to. See the glory that doesn't come from how good you've done, but the glory of God that is before you in every page of this book. And trust in Him. Uh, the, the great thing about how they point to Jesus is they show us how lovely and beautiful Jesus is that he is one who is willing to give up everything out of his love for you. One who, who, who doesn't <laughs> say you have to do this to earn my love, but gives it graciously and freely to you. We, we see one who invites us, are you tired? Come and take my yoke upon you. Are you thirsty? Come to the waters and be filled. Look at the one who is offering his grace and love to you and to whom every story points and trust in him and believe in him. It is only there that you have the motivation, the true motivation to be obedient and to do the things he's commanded us. Let us pray. Lord God, um, in our sinfulness, we make even your word about us. In our selfishness, we um, uh, are bent naturally uh, to taking your good gifts and making them something we earn or deserve. Lord, help us to be obedient to your commandments. Help us to follow your law. But most of all, we pray that um, through them we might be driven to Christ and see our need. And we pray that we might... Um, have our hearts opened, our eyes open to see the gospel of Jesus Christ displayed through your word. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. And you've been listening to a sermon from the preaching and teaching ministry of First Presbyterian Church, Covington, Tennessee. Our mission is to proclaim Christ's kingdom through word and deed. You can learn more about us and listen to other sermons at onepc-covington.org or join us for worship at 403 South Main Street, Covington, Tennessee.